Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So, uh, recently, Mark Rosewater did a poll on Twitter where he asked people to share their preferences when potential changes to Commander went head-to-head. So, for example, a rules change allowing legendary non-creature, non-planeswalker cards, such as Elbrus the Binding Blade, as Commanders, would go up against a rules change allowing hybrid cards in decks with only half of their colors. And then vote totals would determine which change advanced in the bracket. There were some really interesting results to come out of this poll. But in addition to that, uh, Mark Rosewater also did two podcast episodes where he went through each of these potential changes and talked about them from his perspective as a game designer and sort of shared uh, whether he supported or opposed them. So I, I recommend listening to those podcast episodes. They give a really good insight into his perspective and most of the arguments he makes are really good. Um, I think I agree with his, his rationale for most of them, but there are a couple that we want to push back on, and they're the, the two that he spent the most time talking about. So uh, I'm briefly going to list out the, the 16 proposed changes, and then we'll talk about the, the ones we want to focus on. But before I jump into that, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon page. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commandertheory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. With that, let's go into the 16 changes. So the, the first is hybrid mana cards being allowed in decks with only one of the, the colors in their color identity. So for example, um, Rendclaw Trow is two and hybrid green black so you'd be, you'd be able to run that card in mono green decks or mono black decks the next proposed change is removing the maximum deck size of 100 cards making it so you could go more potentially win with battle of wits uh, the third change is banning soul ring the fourth is allowing non-creature legendaries like elbrus the binding blade dark depths merit lages slumber as commanders Next is removing commander damage, then giving the player who goes last some sort of advantage, changing the number of poison counters that would make you lose the game, and and currently it's 10. I've seen some proposals that would be 15, some say 20. Uh, Bringing back the rule where commanders could get put into your library, known as the tuck rule. Yeah. (laughs) Allowing cards that get things from outside the game to work in Commander. So basically enabling wish boards or wish cards. Changing the mulligan rules. Changing the starting life total from 40. And most proposals I've seen have have talked about lowering it to like 30 or 35. Yeah, just making aggro more viable usually. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next is allowing Planeswalkers as Commanders. Changing the partner Commander tax. So that if one partner dies, it applies to the other. Making it so that commanders can still get death triggers on their way to the command zone. So buffing like Kokusho or Yose, those kinds of cards. Allowing silver-bordered cards. And then the the 16th option is is no change. Yeah, just do people... Did people just not want anything to change? Yeah. And I, I, I like that he had no change in there. But unfortunately, like, I kind of wish before the bracket started like we did a round where everything got paired against no change because like you know changing the mulligan rules might beat out changing the partner commander tax 
but without knowing how those do compare to the status quo, it's hard to say, like, should we do this? Is this something the community supports? Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually would be like a cool pre bracket, Mm -hmm. like poll that they could do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's, um, so the, the two we're going to be focusing on today are hybrid mana cards and allowing legendary non-creature non-planeswalker cards as your commander. So let's talk a bit about hybrid mana. What are some of the arguments for allowing hybrid mana cards to be played in decks with, with only one of their colors? Yeah, this is, this is something that I've been a proponent for, for a long time. Um, it was like when I started playing commander, when it was like EDH, uh, there were less options for commanders and less options for cards and decks. And so if you wanted to play mono red or mono green or mono white or whatever, um, sometimes there'd be a card that would really help you out. Like Unmake is a pretty good one, which is uh, hybrid white, black, hybrid white, black, hybrid white, black for an instant that exiles a creature. And it, it didn't make sense that there were other cards that I could play that did this in mono white and or mono black, but I couldn't play this one, even though it was both mono white and mono black. Um, but there's also just cards in these like hybrid manas that would help monocolor. And I think that's the first argument is that when you allow hybrid to be played as it was designed, then you do give a lot of tools that already exist without having to uh, design new ones and wait for new ones to come out to these colors. So that that's like the first argument that I would say it, there's going for hybrid mana. I think that's the biggest one too, just because it won't take time. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, people were talking about like, well, why don't we just print a white card that does this? And it's like, well, yeah, they could, and they might eventually. Yeah, they have to find a set for it. It yeah. has to be like balanced for the environment in which it's printed. Like yeah. it's hard to get cards into Commander through standard sets. Exactly. And so when we have cards that exist that let us not completely fix the problem of monocolor decks, and and as people listening to this know, like mono white has been a very big topic of discussion. Like this wouldn't fix all of the problems, but it would um, alleviate, it would give people some more tools and it would give people just kind of some fun things to do in these colors. There is a big list of cards that Nick actually compiled looking at like, well, what would probably change if we allowed hybrid mana cards? And it seems very like fair and fun. Uh, I don't know. Should we like just post it in the show notes at some point in time? Or I think we may uh, link to it in the show notes, but I, I did want to highlight some of these. Yeah, um, yeah. So we we went through every uh, every hybrid card in in Magic, and then picked out some that we thought would be um, that would likely have the biggest impact on the format. So as you mentioned, unmake like. Mono White doesn't have that many great options for unconditional instant speed creature removal. Yeah. Like after you get past Swords and uh, Path to Exile, it it drops off. Yeah. So I think that would likely see play. Um, dire Undercurrents is an awesome engine that is unfortunately very difficult to to find a deck for because yeah. it's so narrow in its color identity. Can you re- could you read off Dire Undercurrents? I, I will. It is three hybrid blue black hybrid blue black for an enchantment. Whenever a blue creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target player draw a card. 
Whenever a black creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target player discard a card. So this is awesome, extremely powerful for blue token decks like Talrand or for black sack fodder decks. If you're bringing back Bloodgast multiple times a turn, then you're just eating away at your opponent's hands. It's a, it's just a really strong card, but it's it's hard to make use of it. There aren't that many token decks or sack fodder decks in blue-black. Yeah, this one is one that I've looked at for a long time and always wanted to put in a deck, and it like it's exactly like you said. You're like, oh, man, I guess one day. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't ever really end up happening. Uh, another good one is Waves of Aggression. This is three red-white, red-white for a sorcery. Untap all creatures that attack this turn. After this main phase, there is an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. And then it has retrace, so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its mana cost. There, there are a lot of decks out there that can make use of extra combat steps very effectively. Uh, a good example would be like the Nehebs. Um, Neheb, uh, Dreadhorde Champion, and Neheb the Eternal both add a bunch of mana. So you can use that, funnel it into Waves of Aggression, and in the case of Neheb the Eternal, take uh, as many combat steps as you have lands in your hand. Yeah, I um, think it would also, like, I think just other attacky combat decks would like this too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people combo with Aggravated Assault all the time, and it's kind of just another worse Aggravated Assault. Yeah. Like, just more expensive. and More fair. I, more fair, yeah, yeah, which is, like, totally fine. Like, I still would run this in a lot of the same lists just because you can kill a bunch of people real fast. It's- Another thing I want to mention about Waves of Regression is that it's a unique effect in white. Even though it is a hybrid card, there aren't any other white extra combat steps of step effects. And what makes this uh, particularly useful is that one of the problems we've been talking about with white is that it's very difficult to surprise your opponents. You don't have access to haste. Uh, so typically, if you're like building up an aggro rush, you're just putting a bunch of guys on the board and waiting until your next turn. So your opponents can really easily um, sort of predict what your turns are going to go like. But if you untap with an army and they think like, okay, I'm going to take like 12 this turn, but then that's fine. But then you like waves of aggression, waves of aggression, they are they may be dead at that point. So it's a, a good opportunity to, to surprise your opponents. There's a few more cards. I think Manamorphos. Oh my god, I've wanted to play Manamorphos in so many decks. Mm. Just There's so many like red decks that want to cast spells or draw cards or just like want one less card mm-hmm. in them or want a mana fix. There's a lot of spells that give you like X red mana mm-hmm. or like red mana equal to cards in hands or something like that. And you're like, oh, but I really need a blue or a green. Mm-hmm. And Manamorphos would fix that and you just don't really have tools for that yeah (laughs) right now um but one exists in the form of metamorphos which is why i would really like to play with (laughs) (laughs) one last uh card i want to highlight out of the hybrid um is worm harvest so worm harvest is two hybrid green black hybrid green black hybrid green black so five mana for a sorcery create a one one black and green worm creature token for each land card in your graveyard then it has retrace, so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land. This is an awesome source of sacrifice fodder for black decks. It's If your deck has a self-mill component or a discard component, or if you're just building in um, 
land synergies if you have like a lot of fetches and a crucible engine maybe this is a great source of sacrifice fodder it feeds itself and there's a lot of good ways to make use of it it's also really good in like it could potentially be really good in like a titania deck as just a way to make use of the fact that you are naturally putting a bunch of lands in your graveyard and you also want to go wide with that deck so the decks i've been able to play this in it's always been super fun and very powerful and i would love to see it uh be used in more decks in this format yeah this is me uh, agreeing with Mauro. i think that there are is a lot that the format could gain from this i don't actually think it's very harmful there was one thing i want to throw out first which is uh, not so much a single card to highlight but just like a category of cards yeah uh, so there are a lot 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 of persist creatures that are, use hybrid mana and um, there are also a lot of like persist combo commanders between malira Grumgully, Renata, uh, Micaeus the Unhallowed, all of these go infinite with a persist creature and a sacrifice outlet. But because like Malira, Renata, Micaeus, they're all monocolored, they can't really use hybrid cards and, and Grumgully, you know, only has two colors, it's still a restriction. So if you were to um if you were to allow hybrid cards into these monocolored decks, then it's suddenly opening up a ton of options like you know, Renata gets eight new cards or something. So it's a, a really powerful, a really big boost to the, the this narrow type of combo deck. One of the arguments against the change, I think, if I can just talk about this now, is just, like, complicating the rules. Mm-hmm. I think that um, people worry that it would be a complicated rule and that it would, like, turn people away or confuse people because of that. But... I mean, Commanders had so many rules and complicated rules, and you have to, like, learn so many rules just to play Magic that adding those extra rules for Commander, like Commander damage, or uh, that, like, Poison doesn't change, or the Tucking rule, or, like, the Death Triggers rule. Like, there's just a bunch of little things that you have to kind of realize anyway, or even just the color identity. Like, oh, you can't play this card, even though it functionally is the same as this card because it has a mana symbol in it. Like this taps for one mana of these three colors and this taps for one mana of any color. So you can't play that one, but you can play this one. That's basically, I think what hybrid would be. It, I, and, and this is kind of, I'm a little bit biased because like I've been playing for a long time. Um, I really like the like uh, Melvin, like ethos behind hybrid of like, no, it's green or white. Like it's both of these colors. And I don't think that would be so confusing that it would turn people off from playing them. And most of the cards, except for maybe some of the persist cards are like not problematic that I think they would really affect the format in a meaningful way other than just letting people have fun or letting, giving people access to cards that they don't, have access to now that just don't really get played now Mm -hmm. which is uh i think a shame so that's that's my kind of proponent argument for hybrid mana there's some other arguments against it and and for it but i think we're gonna not necessarily bring up all of them yeah so so my perspective is um i think that the you know we talked about like there's a handful of cards that would see play in a lot of decks there's a few archetypes that would get a huge bonus from all these persist creatures and then and then there's like you know 
several dozen cards that would find their way into like one or two decks. But I think that mm, I, th- I think that it's really hard to come up with a rule that that is like clean and easy to understand. I, yeah, I, that's I, totally fair. I think if you like see um, this like hybrid red green symbol in like a mana cost on a card and then you see another card that like tap add red or green to your mana pool it's going to be really difficult to explain why one works and why one is allowable and the other isn't and if you like start getting into and like somebody some new player is going to ask you why and then you start saying like well the philosophy of hybrid as a mechanic (laughs) is such that it would be able to be played in any deck in either color and like you know that's not yeah. that's not an easy to understand answer <laughs> so i get like mark rosewater really wants to to align gameplay to like the intent of the designers but you have to, i think you have to make some concessions for just like this is already a format with a steep learning curve in a game with a steep learning curve and i don't know if the if the benefit is worth the extra confusion yeah and and like i was saying because i i I totally appreciate that um like the new player experience is like so important to magic and playing magic in order to like keep people playing with you and playing magic that i am okay making concessions for that i just kind of like i said i'm just kind of biased and i think that like the format would be more fun if you jumped all these hurdles to get there it would be more fun if you do get there but there is actually one more thing that i realized Hmm. that people don't like hybrid for and that's like actual flavor reasons there are some people who think that when they're building a deck and they put a card that is let's say white black into their uh, mono white soldierless that like that is against the spirit of the that deck's like heart or philosophy mm-hmm. or like soul darian king of Kildor wouldn't touch black mana with yeah. a 10 foot pole yeah like exactly that. and so like all of a sudden if you are allowing hybrid cards and you're like putting in these like hybrid uh like debtor's knell which is like a seven mana four and then hybrid white black hybrid white black hybrid white black yeah. enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep put a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control yeah and so this this is a card that like white gets reanimation black gets reanimation like this isn't breaking any like color pie rules or anything like that but it looks kind of like a black card and mm. it's like flavored like orzov so if you were to put it in your uh mono white deck even though like angels deck or something like that there's there's some people that feel like that flavor is too far off and like not okay with that and i respect that opinion but i don't think you should be arguing your personal flavor choices when you're making rules decisions about a format yeah so i i like understand if you because that happens now too there are cards that like might be better for your deck that you don't play or cards that are pretty bad in your deck that you do play because of flavor reasons or like a constraint you're giving yourself and that's fine and people do that now so i don't think the argument that oh but the the flavor would be bad is an argument that should be made yeah even though like you know you and i kind of disagree on this and then and (laughs) that like technically the people who are uh making this flavor argument are on the same side as me like they they don't want uh the hybrid rules to change i i also agree i don't think that's a strong argument yeah some people 
Like if people care about flavor, they will make their own restrictions on themselves. You don't need yeah. to apply that across the board to all players because there's plenty of people who play commander and don't care about flavor at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, on the, on the other side, there are tons of people that are already putting those restrictions on themselves. Like, um, I mean, friend of the show, Charlotte Sable has a, a goblin deck where every card has goblin in the name if it, if it can except for like the mountains and stuff mm-hmm. and uh that's awesome and this deck is like obviously like it's it's a fun cool experiment but there there are definitely cards that probably would be super awesome in this list that she's not playing because it's a goblin deck mm-hmm. and that's not bad that's just a restriction that like as a deck builder that she put on herself to create this deck yeah but you wouldn't want to see those kinds of restrictions being like coming down from on high exactly but yeah but this is the reason why that's really cool is because like she did that on her own Mm -hmm. that's not like the rules committee like came over and like mandated that you can only play these cards in your goblin deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was like a personal decision that was made and this goblin deck was birthed into the world and that's a cool thing. So I think that that's kind of the level that that should be taken at and that making rules arguments from that perspective can get a little... Uh, it, it just doesn't really have a leg to stand on, I think. Yeah. So, All right, uh, the next proposed change we're going to be talking about today is non-creature non-planeswalker legendaries as commanders this is essentially like legendary artifacts legendary lands legendary enchantments so mark rosewater came down on the side of not allowing this change um and his argument was that like creatures and and characters are compelling like your commander being a character gives a lot of flavor and identity to decks but i I think i would push back on that I think that that is certainly true for a lot of people. They are drawn to a character and want to be able to build around it. That's part of the reason like I support Planeswalkers as commanders because they're like the central characters that are focused on in the story. And people love them. People are huge fans of the, these characters. And giving them the option to build around would just make their play experience better. But I don't think that that means that we should necessarily restrict what people are able to do. Like I mentioned earlier, there are plenty of people who don't care about the flavor aspect of Commander and are just really interested in the mechanics of, like, I have access to this single card at all times. How, given that that deck-building ability, how can I build around it? Like, what, what is possible when that is true? Yeah. So, I think that, yeah, it's not, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if this sword is your commander leading a deck like that there is a flavor disconnect there but we all the time we are trying to open up new archetypes create more varied gameplay and i think that giving people the option to run legendary enchantments legendary artifacts whatever makes the game uh just broader and gives you more options for what you can what you can play yeah i think one of the things about this is is testing Um, I think one of the criticisms that, I mean, I personally have about the RC is that they seem very not hesitant to testing. We don't necessarily know if they're testing these things Mm -hmm. in their own circle, but at least testing on a broader scale, like they did with the like un... The the, un-month. The un-month, yeah. um, Because those kind of experiments, I think, can help and kind of illuminate a lot. And I think that if this was allowed, off the top of my head, really, I think it would only be some of the lands that might be problematic just because like they're hard to interact with i can't really think of an enchantment 
that really breaks anything off the top of my head. Yeah, so there's about, uh, I did a little digging into this. There's about 150 new commanders that would get added to the format if this change were to be made. And I, as you said, most of the, the busted ones are lands. Yeah. A lot of the lands are either like this does nothing or this is this is incredibly absurd. unfair. Yeah. So like having Gaia's Cradle in your command zone is just means you're going to pop off every single game. Your, your mana is just going to snowball. And I, I don't like the, the gameplay of legendary lands because like, okay, people can answer it. Everyone can put Strip Mine, Wasteland, yeah. Tectonic Edge, Ghost Quarter, all these things in their deck, but that just makes the entire format, like, it incentivizes running land destruction a lot more than is already true. Yes. And that's one of the, the least fun parts of Commander. Yeah, um, that's one of the things most people are, like, ardently against. Yeah, so I don't want to, to create a change that would force that. And also, like, there is a good alternative for people who really want to play a specific land as their commander. Like Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, you know, is a five-color commander. He costs five. When he enters a battlefield, you search your library for a land and put it on a battlefield tapped, which means essentially, like, if you want to see a certain land every single game, you can do that with Golos. So I think that's a good option that you you can do that if you want to, but it doesn't require the metagame to shift in a way that's a lot more antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Like there, I definitely have my criticisms of Golos, but I think that that angle that he offers people is, is good. I mean, cool. If you want to play with Hammerheim or something, (laughs) don't, no one would ever play with Hammerheim. Don't don't look it up. I think the, the biggest argument against this is the colors that can't interact with X. So like, uh, it's hard for black to interact with artifacts it's hard for red to interact with enchantments, that kind of thing. So I think that that is the worry that people have. There's already a bunch of busted decks in the format. So it's not like anything better than what already exists. Yeah. And, and if you cut out, um, so of the 150-ish legendary lands, enchantments, and artifacts, um, if you cut out lands, then there's only 100 left. And uh, I think about 40 of those are colorless artifacts. Yeah. And it's really hard to make a busted colorless deck. Yeah. I mean, it's great that it would, that making this change would make it so that um, there are just a ton of options for colorless commanders because currently now you've only got a handful. Yeah. So, so that would be a nice uh, benefit to the change. But if you ignore the lands, ignore the colorless artifacts, you've only got about 50, 60 cards. And of those, like you said, most of them are not busted. I don't even... Yeah. I don't even know if you would have to ban a single card with this change. Yeah, and and a lot of them are really fun. So like Pyromancer's Goggles, which is a legendary artifact that taps for it costs five. It costs five, taps for red mana. And if you spend that red mana on an instant or sorcery, you copy it. Um, that's awesome. That would be a really fun deck to play. There's like Lich's Mastery, which uh, I think you might talk about. This is one of my most favorite cards that come out in recent years because uh, Lich is one of my most favorite cards just of all time. Might be my favorite card of all time. And Lich's Mastery is three black, black, black uh, legendary enchantment. It has hexproof. And then if you'd gain life, instead draw that many cards. If you'd lose life, you can either sacrifice permanence, discard cards from your hand, or exile cards from your graveyard. Um, and 
when it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. Yeah, which is awesome. So this deck would be very fun, I think. There's a lot of play that you can get there, like always having access to that. Really changes how you think about cards and how your game plan is going to evolve. And I think that's awesome. So I, I went through all of these potential new commanders and just tried to see which ones would add new um, add new archetypes to the format. And Lich's Mastery was one of the ones like, oh, this is a completely unique deck using the strangest cards you've ever seen in your life like uh one of the most powerful cards in the deck is blood tithe which is three in a black for a sorcery each opponent loses three life you gain life equal to the life lost this way so it's four mana draw nine cards ish um demon's horn is awesome that's so funny uh demon's horn is a two cost artifact whenever a player casts a black spell you may gain one life so every black spell you cast draws you a card so you're able to just keep flipping through your deck um scourge familiar yes i was gonna say scourge familiar yeah is better in this deck than anywhere else yeah in, in commander um Four and a black for an imp with flying. It's a three-two, and you can discard a card to add black to your mana pool. So funny. So as long as your uh, your cards gain you more life than they cost in mana, you're going to be constantly going up on cards and just filtering through your entire deck until you get to your your win condition, whatever that may be. So um, there's some just it's a it's a very unique deck, very interesting, and like we've tried to make use of Lich's mastery, yeah, outside of this, and it's it's hard to find a deck where it's the the upside is um is worth it really, yeah, yeah. I've definitely played it before. I've um like Academy Rectored out a Lich's mastery to stay alive, mm-hmm. and like like did end up winning that game, but it was like very rarely, even in the decks that I do play it in, am I like really like oh this is a great time to slap down a lich's mastery (laughs) like it's it's always so high risk yeah always but i still love it it's still like a great card like i'm so happy it exists Mm -hmm. so it would just be like really fun to see this and and this is only like a few of the cards that i think both of us think would make like good decks or just bring good things to the format uh one one archetype that was suggested by uh charlotte sable was using chandra's regulator as a uh the head of a chandra tribal deck that's really cool yeah so chandra's regulator is one in a red for a legendary artifact whenever you activate a loyalty ability of a chandra planeswalker you may pay one if you do copy that ability you may choose new targets for the copy and then it also has pay one tap discard a mountain card or a red card draw a card so it's a, a card filtering mechanism. You can improve your draws with it. And then it also just makes your, your Chandras really, really powerful. There's a lot of good Chandras that um, yeah. can uh, start controlling the board pretty well once you are activating them multiple times in one turn. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's just a card that I have very much enjoyed playing with the last few years too. So like letting it be my like quote commander, like that seems really fun. Um and then there's a few other things too, like there's uh, the Great Henge would be like a really cool like kind of monogreen Tulane kind of build where you're like drawing cards and playing creatures and drawing cards and kind of uh, elf balling out. Yeah, probably elf balling out. Like there's a few other ones that are really cool. Um, I thought Oath of Teferi was really interesting, and I, I built the deck, and um, it's uh, so. Oath of Teferi is three white blue for a legendary enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile another permanent you control. 
return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. You may activate the loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control twice each turn instead of once. So uh, this is a really interesting blue-white uh, Super Friends deck. It's a, a Super Friends deck in a, in a slightly different archetype. Um, you do get access to things like Time Warps, which is great when you're activating each Planeswalker Ooh multiple boy. times in Ooh turn. Um, but you, you have access to just like a lot of really good commander playable Planeswalkers like Elspeth, Sun's Champion, Teferi, Temporal Archmage, Tezzeret the Seeker, uh, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. It's it's just a really sweet deck. And I think that uh, having access to that in the format would... I, I don't like that... Uh, Super Friends so frequently defaults to to Atraxa. This is another new option that gives you a different type of reward. Yeah. And even like newer cards, so Circle of Loyalty, which is a card that like I don't think I'll ever find a deck to put it in. Mm -hmm. But if I could build a deck around it and get three threes when I cast legendary spells, heck yeah, that actually seems really fun. Mm -hmm. I like recently assembled a God Eternal Aketra deck and that deck is a blast. But even that deck where you really are not committing that many cards to the board because of your commander like still wraths are still a problem when you're not casting them on your own terms so like this would be a kind of a version of that that's a little bit more resilient that can sit there and like rebuild after you've been wrathed on its own like you don't need to even invest that many cards of your own to the board so yeah it's nice when you can like just cast legendary artifacts and stuff and you're you're building up the board without actually losing any cards if a if a board wipe would work. All right, uh, so it's four white-white for a legendary artifact. It costs one less to cast for each knight you control. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 two, two white knight creature token with vigilance. It also has three and a white tap. Create a 2-2 two, two white knight creature token with vigilance. Yeah, and so basically you just don't need to commit that many cards. That The activated ability is a lot, but when you we're just wrath and you can just be like, Oh, okay, well I'll just make an three, three real quick at the end of your turn. And my turn, like I can play this other thing and attack you and get value. Like it just seems like it would actually be a, a fun mono white deck. And there's other cards, but like, let us know what ones you would want to play with. Uh, let us know what ones you think would be busted. Um, but I, in general, I think that this change would be kind of cool. I thought that, uh, Ember might be a fun, yeah. commander it's basically like a mono red xenagos yeah type of list yeah actually honestly embercleave is probably pretty close to that mm -hmm. deck. <laughs> <laughs> so embercleave if you're not playing much standard right now is four red red for a legendary artifact equipment uh, it has flash the spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control when embercleave enters the battlefield attach it to target creature you control equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has double strike and trample and it has equip for three. So, yeah, pretty much, I mean, actually, that's pretty close to what the list yeah. <laughs> that we would... Just throw in a Malignus or an Ignition team, just some... Just something huge. Enormously high-powered creature, and I love that this also grants, not only does it double the power, well, a little bit more than double the power, but also grants evasion. Guarantee you hit them. Yeah. Uh, so, let's move on to the patron questions. Um, Matthew is asking that we talk about workarounds for some of the proposed rule changes. And I think that really in both the case of hybrid mana and allowing non-creature, non-planeswalker legendaries as commanders, um, I would just talk with your playgroup 
are, we have a, a good play group that tolerates a lot of my experimentation. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I've just like sent them deck lists like, hey, would you guys mind if I built around Oath of Teferi? Or would you guys mind if I built a Grumgully deck that used hybrid colored cards um, or half colored hybrid cards? And and they've been really supportive. So I would just see what your playgroup would be interested in. And of course, like if um, the rules committee decides not to take an action on this, there's still ways you can use rule zero to your advantage and um, get some some fun decks in. Yeah, really at the core of Commander, like I understand why they introduced rule zero and I agree with them. I think that like talking to your playgroup and whoever you're playing with, especially if you're at a big shop, is a very important part of it. I think the the hard part is if you don't get to control your playgroup and you do want to try this like Grumgully deck, but with some of these persist cards, that's going to be a little bit harder for you. So really, this is the kind of stuff where like if you do want to experiment, like I think we highly suggest doing this, like try, give it a shot. You're just going to need to be a little bit more vigilant and uh, more communicative with your your shop or wherever you're playing, mm-hmm. um, if that is the case. So... I don't know if you are really interested in this, like, please let us know what your, your play experience has been like too. Cause I would like to see like what comes of this, if anything, if anyone out there starts kind of experimenting with this. Oh yeah, definitely. I can only commit, uh, so many dollars to buying singles for, for decks that are not playable. Yeah. Not legal, but I would love to hear how your experiments have shaked out. And, uh, if you have any real world experience to, to apply to these arguments we're making about these different changes to commander with that i think we can uh we can close it out i want to give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are bradley gustav ryan mark addison mason will rick laser Raphael, kyle charlotte andrew tom the white clays aubrey hannah anthony andy cooper dylan james justin logan roger david evan bryce dylan benjamin and matthew thank you all for supporting the show it's because of you that we're able to put out content and uh, we're happy that you we have you supporting us. If you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, you can check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. All right. And I also just want to thank all of you for supporting us while we've been a little bit less consistent in our release schedule over the past month or so. Um, I got knocked on my heels by the flu and uh, I've had some works, fun work stuff going on too. But Thank you all for um, continuing to, to show your support and your, your concern. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be more consistent in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're excited for this year. So thank you for sticking with us. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.